Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is episode 66, is it, of the Distraction Pieces podcast. My name is Scroobius Pip. Thank you for tuning in. Um, exciting guest this week. We've got Mr. Adam Buxton. Uh, before I get into that, I should mention that we, um, uh, we had a Carla last week and you guys went absolutely nuts for it. Thank you so much. The reaction to a Carla was absolutely amazing. He's possibly, as I mentioned in the, in the podcast, possibly the most requested guest I've ever had. And wow, just he spoke so intelligently and articulately. So, um, yeah, it was it was nice. It was nice to have you guys go nuts for it. As, as I was excited about it, and it was nice to see your excitement reciprocated. And then the excitement that I was on Mr. Adam Buxton's podcast because we've done this week's one is we recorded it in one big sitting. Um, but it's caused me the most stress. I've ever had for a podcast but I will get into that after I've mentioned you can support my record label speech development records by going to speechdevelopmentrecords.com we have got new um we've got new badges we've got a load of new stuff in the secret team 3w page which you'll hear about in a minute um on the other drop-in advert via the power of acast but yeah speechdevelopmentrecords.com come by your we've got coats we've got jumpers we've got woolly hats we can sort you out for the winter um yeah man this podcast has been stressful let me tell you what happened we uh recorded it and it went really well and i was very excited as i mentioned in adam's one which has gone down amazingly thank you so much for all the love for that um, as I mentioned in that, I'm, I've listened to all of Adam's podcasts in the past, his Adam and Joe ones, his Adam and Edith ones, um, and, 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 and his new Adam Buxton one. So I was excited to be involved and it went really well considering we went back to back. So we did over three hours of talking in total. Um, it went amazingly. So I was really pleased. So then I went out the next night and I had my live, my first ever live distraction pieces podcast, which went amazingly. I'm going to air that for you n- next week. But I'm going to explain more about that at the end because there was some there's some some complications there as well. But that all went well, and then I tried to export the Adam Buxton podcast from my um, my desk. I I I, I recorded all on a Boss BR800, a digital recorder from Roland and Boss. And Adam, in fact, in his podcast, he talked about how he he, he borrowed my microphones. He was very impressed with my setup, and I kind of boasted of my setup well for the first time ever my setup went absolutely fucking wrong um i couldn't get the file off and i was panicking because i could hear it on there but it wouldn't come off it was was, was saying it was corrupted but it wasn't corrupted because if i plugged my headphones in i could listen to it but it was saying it was corrupted so i'm panicking because adam's podcast was going out last week saying about this one being next week I mean, the, again, the reaction to that was just amazing. And he's already brought so many new fans to the Distraction Pieces podcast who've been eating up the Nick Frost episode. I've seen a spike in the in the John Aronson episode, the Stuart Lee episode, the Simon Pegg episode, loads of them. Um, so, so that's lovely. But suddenly I'm sitting again, I'm not going to be able to get this podcast off. I'm going to be stuck with no podcast and I'm going to look really stupid. And iTunes have been talking about it and all excited about it. And I'm going to look ridiculous so in the end we managed to get the audio off by plugging a jack into the headphone socket and that putting that into a sound card so we just played it into a sound card and and recorded it again so yeah that's been kind of intense but it's there and it's amazing so I'm going to let you listen to it now and then at the end I'm going to tell you about what's happening next week with 
the live podcast. So enjoy this episode 66 of the Distraction Pieces podcast with Adam Buxton. This piece of fiction is the intro to Distraction This piece of fiction is the intro to Distraction This piece of fiction is the intro to Distraction This piece of fiction is the intro to Distraction Now I've started so so we can stop talking about all the outrageous and secret things that we were talking about. All the perverted sex secrets of the rich and famous that I was relating there. Yeah, they all came out. I got loads, mate. So it was exciting. Um, I'm joined by Adam Buxton and we've we've just done your podcast. Yeah, I'm all talked out. So uh, I'm just going to sit here and um, not do very much, just drink from my sparkling bottle of water. Yeah. Bottle of sparkling water. It's going to be just an hour or so of me describing your movements, yeah, clothes, I'll, actions. I'll just grunt and fart every now and again, <laughs> like I'm in the, on the train. Um, well, I mean, it was very enjoyable being on your podcast. I, very, I feel very honoured to be... Well, it's a genuine chat ramble, isn't it? I mean, we are swinging yeah. from vine to vine on there. Yeah. I don't know how... Uh, I do edit my podcast. Yeah, that's it. I put mine out unedited, which do is you? petrifying, yeah. Well, I suppose that's truer to the form... The podcast form. It's such a varied thing, isn't it? That's the beauty of it. Yeah. There's so much, much a variation in there that, and uh, I mean, speaking of, of which, a, a really good point to start is you are really one of the forefathers of podcasting. The, the Adam and Joe, the six music ones and the XFM ones, I, I was a big fan of. And I'd really say it was you guys and Gervais that were the, the, the ones that kicked it all off there. So yes. how? Ricky and Stephen certainly made a name for themselves podcasting to the extent that they were able to refer to themselves as podfathers yeah. without everyone just immediately... People were fine with saying, it. ...saying, what? Um, because, yeah, they, they certainly were there in the very early days. It's certainly one of the first people to, to bring podcasts to people's attention. Yeah. They're like, what? What's a podcast? And, uh, and one of the first to monetize it as well. Yeah. And to think, ooh... There's this many thousands of people downloading these things. What if we just charge them all one pound? Yeah, it was that would masterful, be wasn't it? Uh, and and I remember at the time thinking, well, isn't that going to make them unpopular? Aren't people going to resent it because yeah. they're so used to getting things for free on this medium and suddenly they're being asked to pay for the silly chat? That's a bit much, isn't it? But clearly people were happy to do so. It feels like a bit of... A unique one, though. Yeah. It feels like if everyone had done that, it would... I don't, I don't know, podcasts did kind of die off for a little bit after that, I think. Yes. Not, not because of that, but then it feels like now, even the biggest podcast, if they turn around and went, it's a quid, an episode. Yeah, I mean, I go, think the model for most people, isn't it, if they're trying to raise funds, apart from sponsorship, is to just say, um, you know, have a little... Um, gratuity box yeah. system yeah. if you want to contribute or do a kickstarter or yeah there's loads there's that patreon which i've not used yeah. but it's popular with the podcasting world and also t-shirts particularly in america american podcasts the even kind of prior to sponsorship i think the business model was if you get big you bring out a couple of t-shirt yes. arranges and you I make mean, a I, load i think culturally americans are so used to that whole sponsorship model anyway they grew yeah. up with it with um hearing on their favorite tv shows the show is sponsored by ford and whatever so many adverts like yeah. four advert breaks and that's and like they're, they're totally used to it it's just white noise to them. yeah but i think for a lot of british people 
um, some of those sponsorship ads can jar a little yeah. bit. And, you know, it's uh, sometimes sometimes on some of my favourite podcasts that are heavily, heavily sponsored, because I've got absolutely nothing against people doing sponsorship. I've got no beef with ads per se. But um, sometimes when they when they do i think maybe sometimes people feel like they have to do their own ones to make it more personal yep. to them it feels less of a sellout yep, if yep. they're not just doing a pre-recorded one that the company's yep. given them so they put it into their own words yep, and, yep, yep. and they do a little segue from something yeah. that they're chatting about it's like you know sometimes uh, you know maybe they've just been talking about something quite serious like yeah anyway uh, it's a difficult week and my wife left me and uh, you know i've been kind of letting friends know that we're not together anymore and Sometimes when you want to let friends know something, <laughs> you want to send them a letter, but it's uh, it's a drag to go to the post office. <laughs> so why not look into stamps.com? <laughs> stamps.com, Squarespace and MeUndies are, yeah. are, are the three, are the, are the royalty That's of right. American podcasts, I think. But yeah. it's, it's even worse. There's certain ones I listen to. And again, I've became comfortable doing sponsors on the podcast as soon as I realised how many I listen to and I don't give a shit. Sure, I should say as well that I I am currently seeking sponsorship, so uh, I I don't want to suddenly come on as someone who's complaining about this stuff. No, but but the ones that get me are the ones, there's a lot of podcasts I listen to. For some reason I've got really into to wrestling podcasts oh, yeah, so okay. old wrestlers all doing their podcasts and a, a lot of them what do they talk about just so many stories of on the road and just weird stuff it's oh, okay. genuinely it's, it's so fascinating so it's not just like and what did you do then I got him in a headlock no I, no it's I really pulled him over and I kneeled on his face <laughs> nearly but there's some of that as well but a lot of them they do the podcast over the phone yeah and the the link the, the segues to sponsorship are so terrible because it'll be a lot of them they'll do it at the end so i go um all right well th- thanks for coming on it'll be cheers man and then it'll be clearly in a different sounding recording I go oh actually before you go i've got to <laughs> tell you about truecard.com truecar is a new one i should be having all of these sponsors because i i know this but then ones are the ones that really make me go mate that's so or, or they'll do it midway through that's fascinating before we get on to the next bit i need to tell you about me undies or whatever else yeah. and norm mcdonald do you ever listen to norm mcdonald's no, stuff I haven't. he's an american comedian used to be on snl back in the day he's a very funny guy and he uh does a video podcast which i think you can find on youtube um and he's got some fairly extreme shtick he, he he's really interesting yeah but uh he does some funny fooling around with some of yeah. the sponsorship messages and just pushing them so far where you would think that surely the sponsor's not going to be happy with that. Yep. <laughs> but, but they generally, I think the wisdom is like, it doesn't matter as long as you get the name out there. Yeah. The, but, but the fighter and the at, kid. At a certain point, is it's counterproductive, isn't it? The, the fighter and the kid are a podcast that do similar, because there's two of them on that. Yeah. And one of them's a, a Brian Callan, a comedian, and one of them's an ex-MMA fighter, a Brendan Schaub. And their sponsors, like they're the, the ones that I never skip through, because they're genuinely hilarious because they'll just make ridiculous little scenarios and act mm. them out and talk them through to get their sponsors in it's like i'm being sold stuff but i'm perfectly comfortable with yeah. this it's quite pleasant i think the way i would go probably if and when i do get a sponsor is jingles because i like yeah. doing jingles anyway and i've exactly. done a few i've done a few jingles that have been used on adverts on tv before yeah that have been some of the um 
well, they've ended up being some of the most successful things I've ever done. Amazing. Like I did, I did one jingle for a, an advert that was for advertising. So wow. it wasn't, it wasn't even for a product. It was, I think in the depths of the financial slump recently, yep. uh, advertising was one of the many industries to suffer. I'm sure a lot of people were not that upset about that, but still, um, you know, they, uh, advertisers were, uh, being reminded by this campaign that TV advertising still reaches a wide audience. Yep. So it was like an advert for adverts. And it was the one with uh, Harvey and the rabbit, it was called. It was yeah. a little dog who was having his rabbit um, thrown in the yes. bin, his chew toy. Yes, yes, and, yes, and of course. Little, and a great jingle. I, yeah. I remember hearing that thing. This this feels like... F-R-I-E-N-D-S. It was this little jingle that I knocked together in maybe... Well, originally... <laughs> it's brilliant. I had it's done one of it my favourites. Cool, I'm glad. Um, I even won an award for it. It's, it's, right. it's called a British Arrow Advertising Award. I mean, I'm, it was like one of my proudest moments. <laughs> and uh, a friend of mine, Dan, um, had been round at our house for the weekend and he'd been, he's a musician and, and we'd been talking about, I was like, you should record some of your stuff, man, you know. And he's like, yeah, but I don't know how to work any of that. And I was like, just use GarageBand. It's really, really easy. Yeah. And so I said, I'll show you how to use it. And so I opened up GarageBand, I pulled like the first couple of samples, which happened to be these little marimba loops, yep. onto the timeline. And um, that ended up being the basis for this jingle. Like the next time I, I got the call from from this agency saying, would you be into trying to write a, a, a little song for this ad, Harvey and the Rabbit? And so I did what I often do in those situations, go through old projects, unfinished projects, yeah. notebooks, see if there's any half-finished stuff that might be useful that I can complete for this, you know. And one of the first things I looked at was this timeline that I'd opened up to demonstrate to my friend Dan how I you use that. GarageBand. Yeah. I said, like, oh, this is good to go. Yeah. And then I just started <laughs> singing. And five minutes later, my incredible masterpiece was completed. I love that. And the- it turned out to be one of the most profitable things I've ever done in my life. Yeah, exactly. The... <laughs> Here's how you use garage band moment was yeah. here's how you really like seriously here is how you use it. Like I think <laughs> this I th- is the most successful thing I've done on here. Not to brag, but I think because it, this doesn't happen very often, mm. I should point out. I am not rolling in unbelievable thousands of pound type uh, jobs, but um on that occasion I made more money for that one thing than I did making the whole of the Adam and Joe show, the first series wow. of the Adam and Joe show. I mean, I should say that the, the first series of the Adam and Joe show was not a big payday. Yeah. But still, that gives you – that was like nine months' work, me and Joe. Yeah. And this one was five, ten minutes. And, that's uh, amazing. Yeah. I love when them ones come through like that. It's great. I mean, that's like when you, th- when, you, when you think about achievements and proud moments in your life, I think you're supposed to think about having children or, uh, you know, curing diseases or winning awards or I don't know what – but that's one of the ones that pops into my mind. I've I've Harvey got a, and the rabbit. I've got a, a, a similar one that I'm kind of too embarrassed about to go into. But again, I might I might tell you afterwards. But right. um, it was a similar thing where I was asked to do um, a really a well paying gig, and I didn't want to, so I just knocked it out in five minutes. I went there, you go. There's 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 your option. Yeah, and they bought it and paid tons of money for it. And I was like, man, I'm never going to earn the same hourly rate or, or minutely rate as I have there because yeah. that was literally just th- th- throw away in it, yeah. Sometimes you just got to grab those things. You really do. Imagine all the fun you'd be denying yourself if you had 
principles and yeah. values. <laughs> oh. Jesus Christ, it would be awful. Gross. Um, you remember Apex Twin used to do that, though, uh, not adverts, but um, even though his stuff's been used on adverts, but he used to uh, knock off remixes at a certain point when he was the go-to guy yeah. in, the north, in the 90s, I guess, wouldn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, um, And yeah, he would just do something that was totally unrelated to the track he was being sent to remix uh, again, I th- as I understood it, he, he used to just reach back into his locker of projects that he'd be noodling around on and then render that, Tag that send it, it to them. There yeah. you go, there's your remix. And they're like, oh, thank you very much, Apex Twin. Yeah, that's genius. Just completely unrelated. Yeah. It is, yep, I've remixed your And that's song. the way you, you f- end up being able to buy yourself freedom in other areas of your life that don't yield any cash whatsoever. Completely. It's the classic thing. Um, I always remember hearing the, the story of, of Radiohead spending their advance on buying a studio yeah. and therefore setting them up f- to do this forever for a career. Um, I'm a big fan of Vincent Gallo. Um, and yes. I, 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 I liked his album he did as well. And to fund that, he did an advertising campaign. He modelled for some... And, and again, he was saying, he was like, I haven't got a clue who they are. I don't give a sh- I'm not a fan of them. But that they came at that point and said, here's what we'll give you. And I looked and went, that's pretty much what I need to release my album. Mm. So I'll do that. And again, it's that, yeah, that perfect um, means to an end there. I really think that as long as you're not totally cynical about the whole process and you're just taking anyone's dollar, you know what I mean? As long as you do have some filter, then it is a far more complicated and nuanced commercial landscape than than it ever was um, back in the Completely. day. Completely. Then, then the day of, of, of Bill Hicks saying right. that if you're, you're, you're sucking on the ad, devil's then you're cock. you're off and, the artistic yeah. roll call. And actually that whole routine is so often taken out of context. Yeah. If you listen to the whole routine, yeah. he's railing against Jay Leno. Yeah. He's yeah. got some beef with Jay Leno and he's yeah. just pissed off that he's done some Doritos ad or yeah, something. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he even qualifies the statement within the routine by saying, you know, if you're a struggling actor or whatever, I'll look the other way. But he's mainly talking about people who are already so massively rich and successful. Why do they need more money by doing some cynical ad? And I guess that crosses people's minds when you see A-listers sometimes. Well, for a while, I don't know if they still do this, but the thing to do would be to go and do an ad in Japan yeah. or in a market yeah, that yeah, 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 yeah. was not... The, the ad would be confined there and it wouldn't be shown across the world. Yeah. So you could go and do some... George Clooney would go and do some ad that he was too embarrassed to do elsewhere. And get a massive payday yeah. and no one would know about it. And you think, yeah, oh, fair enough. And then the internet happens. And then, yeah, you're stuffed. But then, then after that, you still get people like Brad Pitt occasionally popping up and doing that Chanel campaign. Yeah. And you think, mate, that is... That's, everyone's going to see that. Do you not realise? It makes you wonder how much they paid him, though. Yeah. Because you think it must be astronomical. I always remember just after Thou Shout had come out, I was asked to do um, a Virgin Media ad. Mm-hmm. Um, and I sat there and I thought, I, I like, I watch a lot of TV, so I'm not against the product. Um, but I said to him, look, I'm not, I'm not comfortable with it. I'm an artist. Um, I've got my artistic integrity, sure. all this. I'm not, and they said we, we wanted to base the advert as a cross between uh, Gil Scott Heron's The Revolution Will Not Be Televised and, and Thou Shall Always Kill. Mm. Um, and I was like, look, appreciate it, but I'm just not, I'm not up for this. Um, I sent that email from a, mom, 
at my bedroom at my mum's house. Um, and then they came back saying, all right, cool. Well, the budget we were thinking of for you was around 170 grand. Woof. In, at which case, uh, at which point I was like, well, I mean, you are basing it on Thou Shout and <laughs> Gil Scott Heron. And again, it, it, it was quite nice to see quite early on how I can be bought. In, in the real world, it's not as simple as that. And I, I had that idealistic thing... And that was after the first song we'd ever done came out. And I had the idealistic feeling of, no, f- fuck advertising and all that. In the real world, it's like, right, that changes m- my life. And at that point, it's like, that could give me a career. I don't know if I'll have a career, but that could pay for me to to, uh, to have a career. And yeah. so I changed my mind on it. And then they took it to the higher-ups and they said that, that the last ad campaign was Uma Thurman and that for this one, they needed a male a Hollywood star, not some guy from Essex. Oh, so they got your so hopes I, up. So they got my hopes up and I didn't get it. And then months and months later, I was cooking bacon in again in my mum's kitchen and I started to hear the words that... Because we'd started to go back and forth a bit yeah. and kind of bounce the idea about I started to hear them. I was like, that sounds familiar. And I went in and they'd gone with Samuel L. Jackson. Ah. A far better choice. So his big TV campaign that were all like... I There's remember. a TV revolution and yeah. all this kind of thing. That was that was originally going to be this beardy face. You were going to be reaping the dividends. <sighs> so you sold out and you didn't even get the money. I've, I've had that numerous times. There's <laughs> been points have... in our career where we've sold out or made this big compromise <laughs> yeah. and not got the payoff. You sit there on your own thinking, oh, I don't want to... Oh, everything I say is going to be judged on the basis of this now. And then it's totally moot because they go with someone else. Yeah, they go, yeah, no, we... We just we just wanted you to go through that yeah. um, painful yeah. to teach you a lesson. Moment. What's important to you and what's not? Um, you, you mentioned your jingles there, and you mentioned Aphex Twin, um, and it makes I've always kind of wondered what was your kind of musical upbringing. What kind of music are we into? Ground? You grew up in London and a bit of Wales, I think. I yeah, read, that's right. right. South, How was that? Was South Wales. South- not much music in South Wales, except the things that stick out were listening to the radio, um, taping things off the radio, which in those days meant that you just, I'd get my dad's dictaphone and stick it in front of the brilliant radio. And uh, I, I kind of do a few links. I'd pretend I was had my own radio show. Amazing. Coming up next, here's one from Terry Wogan. This is... Um, what was the song that Terry Wogan did? <laughs> oh, it's the, 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 the strudel dance. The, <laughs> I can't remember what it's called. People out there are shouting at their devices. You idiot. The floral dance. The floral oh, dance. Together with the floral dance. I remember thinking, that's fa- I like the floral dance. That's amusing. And I used to watch the Muppet <laughs> Show and I loved the songs they had on the Muppet Show. Yeah. Obviously, Manamana, um, which still True. bears listening to today. Yeah. And, uh, even, and I had the Muppet cast album, um, and there were a lot of good songs on there. They did a funny cover of Tenderly, a, tra- a sort of smoochy middle of the road track yeah. called Tenderly. And they did, and it was Animal doing it. Perfect. Um, so it was all kind of crazy and like psychedelic rock. It was brilliant. The, some, the musicianship on some of those things was brilliant. Yeah. Did you enjoy the, the, the more recent a Muppets movie? Because I thought it was a stroke of genius that they got the Flight of the Concords oh, guys yeah, yeah. to write the songs for that. It was like, that's a perfect match for the Muppets and instantly the songs were absolutely amazing and hilarious and the one in the first movie the what's it called the guy in the mirror the Muppet in the yeah, mirror yeah the Muppet man am I a man or am I a Muppet yeah if I'm a man I'm a Muppet I'm I mean they J- Jermaine <laughs> and um uh, Brett uh from the Concords I think are as good as 
you know, comedy musicians have ever been. Yeah. I can't really think of too many other people ever who yeah. have been as good as they are. Absolutely amazing. For for songs that are genuinely catchy without being irritating, yeah. for lyrics that are memorable and clever and have some emotional heft as well as yeah. comedy chops. There's a song of theirs called Carol Brown that uh, I, I talked about on the radio before, but that brings a tear to my eye. That's a good song. Yeah. And there's not that many comedy... There's some comedy songs you can bear to hear a few times, but, you know, not over and over. Even yeah. Gangnam Style pulls after yeah. Yeah. 5,000 plays. <laughs> it does. Um, but yeah, they're, they're amazing. And I so I loved the... I always loved the Muppets. They were my entry into a lot of music. And actually the first time I heard a song called Being Green, and at the, at the time that I... It's not easy being green and i didn't know that it was a van morrison cover and that was one of the things the muppets used to do a lot i've just learned that right i've literally just learned and they used to they used to cover a lot of um obscure or well tenderly another one you know songs from other eras that perhaps muppet viewers would not be familiar with and they would sort of revitalize them and reinvent them with the addition of a muppet yes the beauty i've always said that most computer games or theories or anything on computer can be improved by the addition of of Mario or a Mario brother, correct one, one or the other. It's just it improves it, and it's the same with the Muppets. Take a good song, add a Muppet. It's like Richard Herring's "Put a Shrek in It" theory. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> Which is also very uh, accurate. But yes, the, those songs, and you know, years later, I I got into Van Morrison and um, uh, started with Astral Weeks, and then Moon Dance, and then uh, I got the album that has. Being green on it, I can't remember the title of the album. Yeah, oh, it's a it's a good one. Again, people will be shouting yeah. frantically at their oh, systems. You guys, you know, this is to lure people You've got in. Google, yeah. Um, but there it was. It was like, oh my god, this is where it comes from. Uh, so satisfying when all those things link up. Which version is the best? I'm putting you on the on the spot here. Uh, they both have. They're both quite different. That was another thing is you realised, wow, they didn't just do a straight cover, they really reinvented it. Yeah. Um, uh, actually, probably the Muppets one because it it's, it's kind of... emotional. A, it's genuinely yeah. emotional. And it's kind of a cheesy song, really. And yeah. when Van does it, it's one of his cheesier yeah, yeah, songs. Yeah, yeah. I still love it. I still think it's a great song and it's very jazzy and breezy yeah. and... Um, but it's a, maybe a little bit too uh, Radio 2, if you know what yeah. I mean. Um, no disrespect, obviously, to Radio Two, <laughs> um, but yeah, maybe maybe Kermit has the edge on that one. Totally, I love that. Uh, and thereafter, you know, I always liked kind of funny songs and silly songs. I used to listen to uh, I used to listen to Mike Reed's show. He used to yeah. do a show called Junior Choice, I think it was, or something like that, and. Um, you know, wasn't a fashionable show, and he was kind of. A, I, I think it's one of those things I've heard referred to since as being like the nadir of yeah. annoying radio. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I kind of liked it, and I sort of liked those kinds of songs, and also Kenny Everett. I was um, enthralled by, and I thought he was very funny, and I loved all the crazy, super complex jingles that he would do. Yeah. Um, obviously influenced by Queen, as we yeah. we found out later, I think. Or was it the other way around, even? Were Queen influenced by Kenny? <laughs> I can't remember. I pray that they are. But anyway, I think they probably were in some ways, because they were pals, Freddie and um, Kenny. But um, 
Uh, and Kenny Ever, of course, was responsible for for making Bohemian Rhapsody a success because he played it over and over again on his radio oh, show. Really? Yeah. yeah. And it was one of the first times that people had heard it. And it was such a long, unwieldy song, in no way ready for being a pop hit. Doesn't fit anywhere no. at all on and any it was station. Kenny Ever that, that, that championed it. It's amazing. And, um, I was unaware a, of that. A smash, yeah. So I loved all that kind of stuff. And then, so silly music for a long time, silly in inverted commas. But then, um, when someone at school, a guy called William Mullins, and I, I, I talked about, I did another program uh, for Six Music all about this, but uh, Bowie was the thing that happened. Yeah, and this guy, course. William Mullins, um, played me a tape that had a load of Bowie songs on it that just instantly got their hooks in me. Yeah, uh, Life on Mars was one of the first songs that I heard. Yeah, And it felt like a tune that was already in my DNA somewhere and it had been awoken by actually having it yeah. played in the real world somehow just seemed like a timeless tune. Um, and then when I found out more about Bowie as a person, I just found him uh, bewitching and beautiful. I remember just having kind of quasi-sexual thoughts about him at a fairly early age and, yeah. and thinking that he just seemed lovely, like a lovely man. I loved his voice and I was intrigued by this sort of... Uh, both how beautiful he was, but also how strange he was, you know. And, and and then obviously when I saw The Man Who Fell to Earth, um, the genius of casting him as an alien, yeah. there, that, that, that just further compounded my yeah. fascination with him. Did you feel any um, uh, fear of misinterpretation when bringing your love of Bowie into, into the Adam and Joe on, on, on the radio show and things like that, where there was a lot of parody and a lot of, of impressions. Um, did you feel fear that that would go down wrong or that that would offend or be misinterpreted anyway? Because, that, again, that's something I instantly associate with you guys because of, or oh, with yeah, you specifically, because yeah. of the, there was irregular impressions of... Yes. <laughs> was, there was, there was a great deal, there was a great deal of superlative Bowie discussion between myself and Joe. Well, it was one of the things that bonded us. Joe, I always liked Bowie, but he wasn't as demented about him as I was. I was yeah. certainly like the, 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 the guy with the biggest Bowie problem. But no, I don't think we ever worried about it because it was clear, I think, to anyone who listened to us for more than five minutes that we genuinely liked yeah, the guy. Yeah. But what happened was the 80s happened. And we, as Bowie fans, had to live through a decade of fairly consistent mediocrity as yep. from, from the Bowie camp. Yeah. And there was many things to love and, uh, and a lot of stuff that I cherish from that era and I would defend his right as well as any other artist's right to experiment and to do different things mm -hmm. that are not necessarily what the fans want or expect um, and uh, just to get on with their lives. And I think he still looks back at some of that work as... Uh, being some very happy times for him and yeah. collaborating with people that he um, really liked collaborating with. But as a fan, I was pretty gutted by a lot of it and just thought it was pretty awful, especially an album called Never Let Me Down, ironically. <laughs> um, Huge letdown. And, uh, Such a letdown. And, oh, that, that album, holy Christ. <laughs> and I went to see him. That was the first time I'd seen him live. I went to see the, the Glass Spider tour where he had this colossal glass spider yeah. um, that he constructed on stage. And he had all these dancers in crazy costumes and it was all sort of post-apocalyptic, but in a totally trashy way. Yeah. 
So people would come out at the beginning going, we are the future. We are the scum children of the future. And you must die. And we will fight you because we will stand up against you. All this kind of crazy, terrible, amateur dramatical yeah. theatre would uh, start. You know, because Bowie's a bit of a thesp in yeah. a lot of ways. And then he would come down in a in a cherry picker, I think, um, which was a, in itself a little reference to an earlier phase in his career where he used to sing Space Oddity in a, in a cherry picker yeah. coming down over the audience. He'd probably had to pay for it back then and he's just, just got to get use out of it. Yeah, yeah, Still exactly. got the cherry picker. Let's get the cherry picker we do Does it still work? <laughs> Oil it up. I've had a new idea. Then the glass behind it, sir. And he would come down and he was on the phone... <laughs> And he would be uh, doing this monologue at the beginning of a of a song, I think, called "Glass Spider." That's all about um, one many thousands of years ago in the Zhaiguang Province of Eastern China. There lived a glass spider, and it was this sort of kind of nonsense monologue all about the um, the fucking spider, <laughs> the little children, the babies of the glass spider. And I'm stood there in in Wembley Stadium. Wow. Amongst 75,000 odd Bowie fans. Confused Bowie fans. What the fucking shit is this? This is not Scary Monsters. Play the hits. Yeah. Play anything from the 70s, but do not go before or after that era, please. Are you, you, this, 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 this will come round, I promise. Are you, are you a Kate Bush fan? Uh, yeah, not not like a mega fan, but uh, I don't know all about her. But yeah. did you catch any of that that recent? No, I didn't. I heard show from she did. Many of my friends are mega fans, and yeah. they told me it was wonderful, it was absolutely amazing. But I'm, and I went to see it, and it's just occurring to me now because I felt that nothing like that will ever happen again. Because the weirdness was that she's not gigged for thirty years or something like something. Ex- insane amount of time and then comes back and does this show that again has got a lot of, of theatrics and there was a play in there it was kind of this whole thing going on um and part of the excitement f- for me and the reason i felt it could never happen again was because she's had that gap and just been and not just i need to remove that word and being a mum she's been a, at home being a mum she's not been being kate bush so at the start of the gig it felt like someone's mum up there and as she loosened up it be- suddenly became Kate Bush it was this amazing thing but I remember watching it thinking wow this is so ahead of its time and it's just occurring to me now that it's probably that just because the last time she gigged people were doing stuff like having a play and theatrics and this this whole thing coming into this is it's probably not necessarily as bold or wonderful bold and moving choice it's just just no, that's what that's what we used to do that's yeah. that's how we used to do gigs that used to be there'd be a monologue and there'd be props and giant spiders right. and all sorts well exactly you just have to pick the right moment yeah. and i felt with the glass spider tour that was there was bad timing yeah and i went home i mean he still played some really amazing songs on that show and was was in great voice and he had peter frampton on stage as well as carlos alomar who were these artists that had collaborated with him before who i loved you know and the the band sounded good but then there were too many other moments where i just thought no 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 and I, at that point as a as a young teen it was, uh, I was scandalised. You know, you f- you're so self-righteous when you're that age. It's like, yeah. how dare you not do what I want you to? Yeah. This is not what you're good at. And uh, it's bizarre, I isn't paid it? loads of money, you bastard. And, you know, if there had been social media in those days, 
I would have been straight on yeah. at David Bowie. How you let me down? That I didn't think that was good. What you did, you should yeah. be ashamed. I paid good money for that. How dare you? All this kind of entitled yeah. bullshit. But of course, you know, it wasn't the greatest uh, it, it, um, gig I've ever been to. But it was still exciting, and it was fun, and it was one of the. I mean, certainly the biggest show that I've ever been to. Stood amongst yeah. all those people. That's an experience in itself. And ultimately, it didn't put me off him in the slightest. Um, and I actually still listen to that album because I have so much affection for him that I there's something that I, I like about it. Uh, That's perfect. Um, you, we've got onto the subject of gig, gig going here and it's made me, I almost forgot, I, I teased at the end of, 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 of your podcast that, I would, that we were going to discuss the, the time that you met my brother. Right. That you're unaware of. And yeah. it's gig related. Uh-huh. So... Just, I need to put some context here, is we arranged this podcast yesterday, basically, didn't we? We kind of, we Friday and Saturday, last minute. For yeah. A while. And then we're like, yeah. Oh, let's, let's do this. So I was making some notes on my phone and I had this vague memory of a story that my brother had told me. So I'd made a note of that. I was like, right, we're going to discuss this. I like the fact I didn't have all the ins and outs and intricacies. And then I saw him last night and mentioned we're doing this. I went, oh, ask him about, and I made him stop because yeah. I, I don't want, in, I, I like the version that's in my head, uh-huh. so I don't want it in case there's an, ex, an extras. But years ago, my brother went to see Gorky's. Oh, yeah. A, a Gorky's psychotic. Is it monkey or minchy? I never know how it's pronounced. Pronounced monkey, spelled M Y N C I. So, yes. It, great band. Say a, a great band. And at that show, he met, and I, he gave me a, one little extra bit of information last night that made me more confident that it actually ever happened. Yeah. Um, he met you, Joe. Louis through uh-huh. and and your brother. Yes, I the, remember where that was. Were that the was four King's that were College. there. Yeah. yeah, and um he went outside with you. In my mind, you went out to 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 to, to smoke illegal fumes. I may have I may have imagined that it could have just been to smoke or to drink or whatever. Um, and you had, in the air. Yeah, and you had a good chat. And he was saying that he's always been annoyed. This is the bit he added last night is you'd just done um the Frank. Um, yeah, the video a, for Frank a Black. Black. Yeah, yeah, gone, um, gone. and you'd you got him to put his number into your brother's phone or something, and you were going to send him some 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 Frank Black stuff, oh. and you never did. And he said, "Ask him where my Frank for Frank Black," because you discussed some kind of oh, you've got to hear this or this or that. So yeah, apparently you huh. met and chatted outside and uh, and had and a I, wonderful time. I let him down on the merch. He did. On well, the, that's, I'm, the I felt bad about that. I mean, normally I would not even offer to do that if I knew I couldn't follow through. Yeah. So that may have been... I mean, it's fine. It's not, that's not the whole point of this podcast, wasn't it? <laughs> to, finally, to finally get you. But, but how were Gorky's? How was that show? They were, they were good, but they were um, more ramshackle than, than I was prepared for. Yeah. Like, I'm one of these people who can be a little bit small-minded when it comes to live shows when yeah. I'm very used to the, the sound of an album. Yeah. Because, um, I, in fact, I... I feel less bad about this because I once saw an interview with John Lennon where he, I think he was talking to Bob Harris about preferring it when he goes to a show and it sounds like the record. Yep. You know what I mean? I was thinking, well, if John Lennon feels the same way, then maybe I I feel like less of a Philistine. I'm 50-50 on it. Yeah. The older you get now, I feel it's a question of how many shows you've been to really. And when you, when you get 
a little bit more sophisticated, perhaps, I don't yeah. know, or a little bit more experienced at gig going, then you look for slightly different things. You can appreciate more yeah. and you, you get into the musicianship and you, you, you enjoy it when they reinvent a track maybe yeah, yeah. or when they start riffing on something or I don't know what. But when I first started going to gigs, it would wind me up. I'd be yeah. like... No, 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 no. That's not how it goes. This is not how the record goes. <laughs> because I had such a strong personal relationship with these things. I'd listen to them on my Walkman. I had my earphones on. And, and to this day, the joy of um, having that connection with a piece of music is some of the happiest moments of my life, you yeah. know, is, is just listening to music. And, and so sometimes if, you're, if you really are into a song and then you go and see it live and you're waiting to hear it, and they they launch into it, and maybe it takes a few seconds before you realise it's actually the song that you like that they're playing. You're like, what? And you've been waiting all this time for that song, no, and then no, it's no, actually no, no. on and not, yeah. And also with a young... I, I'm, by the way, I'm not saying that this is um, what Gorky's were doing necessarily, because no. they were great. But there were... There, I will admit that there were a couple of times where I felt like they're... I mean, they, was, they hadn't been going that long when we saw them then, I don't think. And some of their stuff is so ambitious and yeah. very nicely produced and, and yeah. quite weird sounding. But huge. Yeah, that it was just impossible task. to reproduce it on stage yeah. as well. And and also Euros uh, uh, or Eros, I don't know how you pronounce his name, the, the lead singer, you know, he's playing away at the keyboard and he's, he's banging his head and he's going crazy. And he's also supposed to sing all this stuff. Yeah. So you just couldn't get the subtlety and the, uh, again, the nuances of what he was singing on the record yeah it just it was impossible to do it live yeah yeah um but no it was it was really good they they, they played a song called uh the heart of kentucky i remember that night that was one of the highlights of that uh, yeah it, show and it was really fun i do love that band it is a weird thing i like that isn't it because there's there's a fine there's there has to be a, a, a balance between what works live and and accuracy and i think you can get away with almost anything if it's going to sound like a really simple thing, but if you're good live... Yeah, if you can if play. they do a different a version, difference. you don't care if it was amazing. I remember seeing Prince, and there were so many different versions of things, but it was just amazing because him and his whole band are just the most talented people. Yeah. And it's like, right, you can't be unhappy. You'll go home and go, oh, I've just realised they didn't play this, they didn't play this, yeah. but what they did do was such a spectacle you can kind of some bands get away do with just it. sound so good because they're such talented musicians and also they have such good support from their techs and all that you know that and their that whoever is doing the sound and yeah that radiohead i suppose are an obvious example that yeah. spring to mind so you go and see them and they may be playing stuff that you've never heard before but it's really exciting yeah. because it sounds like you're listening to it on the record and it may be very different from how it ends up being recorded but everything is just so and you can hear what everyone's playing and tom is a talented singer to the extent that everything he's trying to do comes across and yeah. Oh, it's it's great. So so you're never bored. You know, yeah. if you're a fan, you go and see them. Chances are, unless they have really insurmountable technical problems, yeah, it's, it's gonna be it's gonna deliver hell of a thing. Yeah. Um, well, let's talk now. I want to talk about how the Adam and Joe show came about. But yeah. before we get there, let's talk a little bit about your your comedic interview influences. Sorry, growing up, we've talked about the music that you're into and uh -huh. what what was kind of what what drew you towards a comedy oh, i'm trying to think now um i mean i like sort of broad silly stuff 
I like. I was going to say the, the 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 beauty of the Adam and Joe show again. I remember just watching it on Channel Four when it started. Was it felt like m- m- mates messing around? Yeah. Which again is the the beauty there is that it doesn't necessarily need to be an influences answer then, not to stop you on the influence, but just being s- silly with your mates seemed to be what that show encapsulated. Yeah, I think as, as well we were wary of taking ourselves too seriously. Yeah. And um, being too up ourselves, even though we we were pretty up ourselves. <laughs> um, and at that point, when we were doing the Adam and Joe show, we both had been exposed to very finely wrought, brilliant comedy, things like um, Larry Sanders and yeah. Seinfeld, and then in the UK, things that Chris Morris and Amanda Iannucci yeah. were doing. And, and we really loved those, and I suppose wanted to emulate those in some way or at least do our version of those kinds of things yeah. some, somehow, you know, very, very twisted version. But, uh, and I mean like twisted as in bent, not dark or strange. Yeah, 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 because, yeah, yeah. Because our stuff wasn't really dark or strange. It was silly because we both liked silly things. I, I can't speak for Joe, but I certainly grew up watching a lot of Saturday night kind of stuff, you know, Cannon and Ball. I didn't love Cannon and Ball, but I would watch <laughs> that stuff. And uh, Cracker Jack and things like this. And then I, I mean, I, I found a lot of those kinds of shows fairly annoying. I mean, that's the thing is you can take influence from, or you can, you, you can be influenced by things that yeah. aren't necessarily going to be great or right. going to be this thing. It's like, right, that's, I get something from that. They just that. seep in. Yeah, yeah. And similarly, Russ Abbott. Yeah. Although I must say, I did find a lot of Russ Abbott stuff genuinely very funny. Yeah, yeah. And, um... He just made me chuckle. He was just a funny person, I thought, and I liked his silly character. I was going to say again, there was a, a silliness there. There yeah. was there was a removal of that um, of any pretension. There was a there was just at points just being a bit silly. Yeah, and his his support performers as well, Bella Emberg and Dustin G and um, oh, what's his name? Who, who used who was turned up in extras? Um, oh, I can't believe it. My brain. Oh. He used to be married to. <laughs> used to be married to one of the ladies on, on X Factor, uh, the blonde lady, uh, or is it Britain's Got Talent? Married to a blonde lady on Britain's Got Talent. <laughs> What's her name? Oh, this is interesting stuff, though, isn't it? So this there's is nothing great. like trying to listen to someone remember a thing. Remember a name. So, <sighs> anyway. That guy, that guy. If someone could compile um, <laughs> in in one tweet all the people that we've forgotten the names yeah. of in this <laughs> that Van Morrison great. album, uh, the name of this guy. But I, I want all of them with no link or explanation, Les just as Dennis. words. Les Dennis. <sighs> yes, and Amanda Holden. Hard knows the highway. Amanda Holden. Was hard that knows who? the highway is the Van Morrison album. I think. There we that go. Being green is on. So you can cancel that tweet if you were writing that tweet <sighs> as we relief. spoke. De- Feels please like delete I've given it. Birth. But um, yes, Les Dennis, of course. Two beautiful babies, Les Dennis. Anyway, so a pretty talented lot of people there, yeah. um, I would say, on Russ Abbott's show. And then um, Kenny Everett, I've mentioned, obviously, and uh, uh, Hulk, uh, not Hulk Hogan, Paul Hogan. <laughs> I wish it was Hulk Hogan. <laughs> Hulk Hogan, he was all right, but he wasn't a big influence. <laughs> Paul Hogan. Yes. Uh, he used to have a TV show that they would... Um, oh, really? And this is pre-Crocodile uh, Dundee. But it was around the same time as another show by another guy whose name I'm going to forget, um, <laughs> Kelly Monteith. Kelly Monteith. Right. 
I think he, I think he was Canadian. I might be wrong about yeah. that. But Kelly Monteith's show was one of the first shows that I was aware of that broke the fourth wall. Right. And um, so it was very broad, pretty, pretty crass, sometimes yeah. quite sexist stuff that he would do on there, little observational riffs. Yeah. But it was quite ahead of its time because he would basically be delivering a stand-up set. Yeah. But they would film it as if it was a narrative sitcom. So they, right. they would walk him he'd be in a hotel room and he'd do a little bit to camera uh, about stuff that happens in hotel rooms. And then he'd yeah. walk out and he would join a conference or something in the hotel, yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe interact with some characters wandering around there. But basically he would be continuing to deliver his set yeah. to the camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're like, whoa, this feels like a sitcom, but he's talking to the camera. This is weird. And yeah, so I thought that was pretty interesting. And then there was Gary Shandling, obviously, yes. uh, a.k.a. Larry Sanders, who did a similar thing and had that very meta theme tune where it was like, this is Gary Shandling's show. This is the theme for Gary's show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which uh, obviously I kind of do as well in the th- theme tune for my podcast now a little bit, that self-referential thing, which I've done many, many times, like a lot of people. Yeah. But probably you could trace it back to things like that. Yeah. Um, that I just thought, oh, yeah, this is, that's cool. Singing about the theme tune in the theme tune. That's yeah, great. That's perfect. So, as a, so how did the Adam and Joe show and Channel 4 all, all come together and come about? Because that's a hell of a, a seemingly f- debut, a first, a, a first jump into this kind of thing. Yeah. Um, well, there was a period in the early 90s where people started to, do shows that used footage sent in by viewers. Yeah. And um, in America, they were already used to that kind of thing. They had uh, cable TV. Yeah, yeah, of course. And cable would often feature um, shows made by made on a shoestring by people in local community studios. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They could come in and they could it'd be like, all right, you you got 6 p.m. to 7 p.m., you can do what you want. Yeah. It's totally deregulated. Yeah. Go in there and they talk about bondage or whatever they wanted or have quite a serious uh show about political ideas or or religion yeah i love hijacking it right. with religion of course religion and uh or it'd be a load of uh people talking about being gay or i don't know what it yeah. was it was just a good platform for people to have a voice yeah. on tv that normally they wouldn't have if they had to go via broadcasters and all that and then there was a show called manhattan cable i remember made by this company called world of wonder and they cherry-picked all the most outrageous and strange moments from from uh, cable TV shows right. in yeah, New York. Yeah, yeah. And they made a show out of them that was hosted by a, a woman called Laurie Pike. Um, and Joe and I used to watch this, and it was late night, and they showed it on Channel 4, I believe. And there was lots of funny stuff on there that was very much, pre, very much prefigured the tone um, and some of the content of the kind of things that yeah. people do on YouTube nowadays. Yeah. And um, oh, and it was oh, very that's exactly what, what I feel. It feels like now the Adam and Joe show would have been a YouTube show uh-huh. that then got big and got picked up by, by Channel 4. So it's kind of yeah, maybe. weird to think of now how it would come about without that initial a platform yeah. or leg up. Well, you never know. I was saying uh, often it's timing, isn't it, with these things. But who knows? There's so many talented and better looking people than us out there maybe someone else would have got um noticed before we that did gap, if, yeah. if, if we were on youtube now 
But back then, there were not that many people doing that kind of thing, or at least if they were, no one really saw it. Yeah. Also, the technology had only just become affordable for a lot of people. Yeah. I was lucky because my dad uh, is a, a writer. He was uh, writing then as a travel writer. And yep. in the course of doing that, he would sometimes borrow equipment yeah. and he borrowed some of the first domestic camcorders that were available. Oh, perfect. Which then, it was like a giant VCR. Yeah that had a shoulder strap yeah, yeah, and then yeah, it would yeah, have yeah. A, a big what looked like a Super 8 camera on it yeah. um, that was hooked that into the... straight onto the That the filmed video, onto yeah. the big VHS tape, yeah. you know. So Joe and I would get to use those and that was a, a, an early part of our friendship was recreating Monty Python sketches and things yeah. like this as well as doing our own little experiments with stop motion and fiddling yep. around with um, this video technology. And, uh, and yeah, we were watching these shows like Manhattan Cable and also bummed out by attempts that the BBC would occasionally make to do something similar. But they, they got it all wrong. They thought, oh, well, if we're going to... Uh, the BBC typically bending over backwards to try and please anyone, please everyone rather. I would never do anything like that. <laughs> um, but in their efforts not to be criticised for what they did with the licence payers' fees, they encouraged people to send in clips they'd made but they thought, oh, we better not include any silly ones because then people will say that we're frittering away their license. Fee. Right, yeah. We better include the ones where it's all like, I, I would like to talk about uh, the, the decisions that my local council has made, which are in the direct <laughs> contravention of what was agreed at a town council meeting last year. All this kind of stuff. Yeah, like, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Mate, I don't want to hear any of this stuff. Show me a guy who is painting eyes on his bottom cheeks and um, making it look as if his bottom is talking. Norman Sphincter style. As uh, Eddie <laughs> yeah. Temple Morris obviously was doing that kind of yeah. stuff. And um, sure enough, uh, um, I saw this advert in the NME when I was at art school, around about 94, um, that was asking for those kinds of clips, silly, strange Manhattan cable style clips for a new show that was going to be called Box Pops yeah. on Channel 4. And... Um, and I thought, oh, me and Joe have got lots of those. So I just sent them a reel of some of the stupid stuff that we'd done. It's perfect to have had a reel before m most people. Show me you'd you, you just been making them and just been yeah. learning yeah. that yourselves. You know, but I say, yeah, a reel. It was like a VHS tape that I'd yeah. made by hooking two VHS yeah, players yeah, up, yeah, yeah. pressing pause and record Go. and yeah. do it like that. You know, so every every edit is like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um <laughs> but I sent that in and very quickly got a response. In fact, I got a phone call from this guy, Fenton Bailey, who was one of the people that ran this American company, World of Wonder, that had offices in, in Brixton at the time. And uh, he said, uh, he's, he was a Brit. His partner um, was American. But Fenton said, I just watched your tape. I think it's genius. And I'd never heard anyone describe something like that before so i was like he thinks i'm a genius wow this is pretty great but then this when i met huge. him it became clear that fenton was like he used that word a lot yeah 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 oh my god this tea is genius oh and like uh, <laughs> oh yeah he thinks everything is genius <laughs> heartbreaking the first time you hear him describe That's something right. else as genius oh my god those curtains are genius as genius as uh... less genius than our tape right <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's proper genius. That's Einstein genius. Yeah. Um, anyway, it was it was uh, that notwithstanding, it was very exciting. And he gave uh, 
first of all, it was me that he got in touch with. Joe was kind of, because there were more of my bits on there than there were yeah. of things I'd done with Joe. It was mainly stuff that I'd done at art yeah. school. And so he invited me not only to contribute to the show, like they were going to use some of my clips and pay me not particularly handsomely for them. Yeah. But he also said, you know, would you like a job? And I just left art school at that point. I was like, yeah, man, I, I need a job. And um, so I got a job going into work as one of the researchers on that show, which ended up being called Takeover TV yeah. rather than yes. Box Pops. And so it was my job to sit there in this little stuffy office um, underneath the room that we eventually used as the set for the Adam and Joe show, um, opposite, just above the body shop in Brixton. And, Perfect um, location. Yeah. <laughs> and I would sit there and just with a pair of headphones on, watching tapes that people had sent in. And yeah. most of them were, as you can imagine, not that good. <laughs> with the best will in the world. And occasionally really disturbing. I remember there was one guy who nailed his cock to a piece of wood. Wow. And filmed it. Which is a legitimate piece of uh, performance art, perhaps, in some quarters. But um, I, I... No, I, something... You, you want to sit no, and watch in like, a room above the, no, the body shop in Brixton? This. Damn. Um, but yeah, we ended up we ended up being on the show and uh, and we ended up doing links for it. And at that point, I got Joe in because I I, I thought, well, I'm not going to be able to do all this on my own. And they started leaning on us to generate more clips because they were finding it hard. People, so many yeah. people were sending us stuff that was just not usable for whatever reason. It's kind of a perfect. A situation there in reality that you're able to go. Here's what we've got. Yeah, you're, you're aware of what what we can produce. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> need to go. Do you want to go with that, or do you want us to go off and uh, nail our cocks and, and nail some cocks to someone? Because <laughs> <laughs> we'll do that too. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's how that's how we really got into it, and um, it was great. It was really fun. It was um, perfect. And 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 that's I remember one time. They, they did a sci-fi special of Takeover TV because this is the, it, it was low stakes, right? Because this was a show that was commissioned not by the entertainment or comedy departments at Channel 4. Mm -hmm. It was commissioned by the religion and features department. Wow. Uh, there was a guy called Peter Grimsdale there who was our commissioning editor. And most of the shows that he commissioned were, were fairly directly to do with uh, religion or, or, or people's, people expressing their own personal views or alternative lifestyles or things like that. Um, and we were, the idea of people making their own clips, as far as the channel was concerned, slotted in best in that department rather yeah. than, you know, the, the, the assumption was still that proper comedy, in inverted commas, or proper yeah. entertainment shows are made by professionals in studios yeah. uh, with big budgets and big personalities and proper equipment. You can't just have fucking twats with video cameras pissing about no that's not tv that's like a weird marginal sideshow yeah so the nice thing about being weird and marginal is that no one really bothers you you can do more or less what you like that was that was i when i was i was, I was doing my radio sh show on xfm the beauty of that was i was on at midnight on a saturday yeah which meant we did what the fuck we wanted yeah. and no one really paid attention i never played a clean edit Mm -hmm. In that whole time, I played all, and it was a hit, it was a hip hop and spoken word, so so there was a lot of swearing. But I played all non R-rated, all explicit versions, and all this. And the the kind of discussion that we'd had was exactly that: was no one's really paying attention to us, like, other than the people who are listening who want to hear it, so they're fine with it. It's like so as long as we keep not making too much noise. It's a weird thing if you don't want to 
achieve too much because you don't want the spotlight on you and them to go, well, you can't play that, mate. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. not acceptable. Wait so, yeah. Second. What are you doing here? That, that weird l- a, a level of the exciting part being that you're not really getting that much attention, yeah. but you're in an industry where the point is to get as much attention as humanly possible. Exactly. And then from the audience's point of view, yeah. they're getting something that sounds undiluted and yeah. unfiltered. And just and, exciting because yeah. of that, because of that, the buzz. And they may not appreciate it. I remember people really didn't like Takeover TV. There were a lot of people who just thought, what is this shit? Yeah. yeah. And to be fair, a lot of it was pretty <laughs> unwatchable. Uh, and I remember on the one hand being very excited that I, I was working in TV and I was like on a show that was actually going out on a on a terrestrial channel, even though the whole notion of terrestrial everyone everything was terrestrial back yeah. then but um it was exciting but i was aware that it's like uh not everyone's gonna like this show yeah this isn't something i can play to my parents and expect them to get excited by yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. or indeed many of my friends you know but the then we- weird the weird part of it is it's being on on proper tv yeah but the very nature and style of it is looking amateurish right so i get that that if you play it to your parents it's not going to have that moment of he's on a tv show yeah. be, this is that's not, just the videos he does yeah, that's, that's just that's not no 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 why no, is no. there'll be more why is that on tv than yeah it's on tv like why are they why wow they've lowered standards considerably <laughs> to allow you to gain access i mean congratulations and we're proud of you but mm. but, but the, seriously but the world seems to have gone to hell in a handcart <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well exactly it was that it was that kind of it was that kind of feeling, but then there was the, the watershed in my mind was uh, um, they did a special, the science, the Takeover TV sci-fi special, yeah. and it was they were going to theme the whole thing. So rather than it being this hodgepodge of unrelated nonsense, it was all going to be sci-fi related stuff because they were realizing that that was something they were getting loads of people sending in clips right. of, you know, somehow spoofs of yeah. sci-fi shows and things like that, and. Um, so Fenton and Randy, who ran World of Wonders, said to us, like, okay, you guys um, make some clips for it, you know, as well as this other stuff that we're getting sent in. You, you make some more stuff. And one some of the more things... More genius. More, do some more genius. <laughs> um, and one of the things... I'm just off to take a, uh, a shit. Oh, it's a genius. <laughs> anyway, you carry on with your genius. Um, but one of the things that we did... Out of desperation, we, I, I think we had to come up with four clips. And also the, the idea was, the remit was somewhat um, fraudulently to make them look as if they weren't necessarily ours, you know what I mean? Right. That they might have been just sent To in. be submissions. Yeah, again, to make yeah. it look like there was more variety yeah. than there necessarily yeah. was. So each thing was stylistically quite different. Um, we did a couple of pretty lame sketches that had us in them, me and Joe, I remember including one that was me dressed up as a as an alien with a big cardboard mask on. It was like a big giant forehead that I'd printed out and stuck on Amazing. cardboard. And uh, and I was kind of talking like this, which is a voice I still use when I'm reading out YouTube comments. But I was I was like, I am, uh, I've, uh, I can't remember what I said, but it was like, I am going to, I'm meeting today with a young man. Uh, who, who is a, a science fiction fan from a magazine called Star Wang. <laughs> and Joe played this, like, sci-fi geek from Star Wang. I don't remember. Well, it was, it was not a good sketch. But w- the other thing that we did was to um, use some of the toys that I had lying around. Yeah. And so I had all my Star Wars figures that my mum had just got out of the attic 
and said, look, I've saved all these. I don't know if you can do with anything, anything with these. And it was all my seventies Kenner Star Wars figures, the original figures that I'd got out, that I bought when I was a mega fan, when the movie first came out and hadn't played with for years. And, uh, it's like, oh yeah, I've got all this stuff. I've got all these X-wings and I got the Death Star somewhere. And oh man, I had all the stuff. I was lucky. And, uh, and so Joe, who already was keen to be a film director and had some sense of actually just making films, me yeah. for me it was like the main thing was showing off and doing silly characters. Yeah, 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 yeah. The sound of my own voice. <laughs> but Joe was more into like, let's do a little film here. Here's what it's going to be. Yeah. yeah. So we did a we did a little thing with all our Star Wars figures um, about um, I don't remember what it was about. It was I think it was about. C-3PO is desperate to express himself as a homosexual robot <laughs> and he they want to get into this club that, that it's like the Disco Star is the name of the coolest <laughs> club and it's like a gay club and he wants to go there. I don't remember what it was. It was it was probably not very funny. But we did that and it was really fun and it was like everyone we showed it to yeah. responded to it. It was like, oh, wow. We this is amazing. No, we haven't seen anyone do this before. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think that we were the first people ever to, to make a little film with toys, but um, certainly for, for, for the people we were showing it to, it was like, oh, this is good, you should do more of this. And then we did a spoof of the film Apollo 13 with, with stuffed toys. Yeah. And so then we had the, um, we had there the template for these two types of little toy movies that we would do. Mm-hmm. One of them was was we would spoof TV shows using the Star Wars toys yeah. and, it, and make loads of geeky Star Wars references before yeah. doing that was teeth-grindingly yeah. common. Yeah. Um, and then we would do uh, slightly more highfalutin film parodies, slightly more, yeah. with the stuffed toys, you know. But again, the beauty there of getting people to really... I think there's two things that made... Um, that part of, of 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 when it was then in in the Adam and Joe show, and that part and and that style so um, cult and kind of iconic in that way is there's two things. There's number one, again, it's feeling like this this is something that we could do. You know, it's feeling achievable. But number two, it's I understand this. I get the references yeah. and, and therefore it means that much more because you feel not only do you feel like it's something that you and your mates could do, you feel like you could be mates with the people that are doing it, if you know what I mean. It feels yes. that that relatable and connectable. And then you just have such a, a protection over it and wanting to show people and wanting to be, yeah, it'd be the, the most exciting thing. Yeah, yeah. I think people are often, yeah, they're sort of excited and and they're generous about it rather than necessarily feeling threatened or angry about yeah. it. You know yeah, what I mean? exactly. Sometimes you, well, I don't know about you, but I'm... I, I, I'm sort of a silly insecure person in a lot of ways. So I can often see stuff that other people have made that's on similar tonal ground. Yeah. And I feel threatened by it. I'm like, oh, yeah, damn them. Yeah. They're going to do better than I am. Yeah. Then I'm going to be made redundant. Um, and straight away thinking, it's not that good. I don't know why everyone's getting so excited yeah, exactly. about that. It's, I mean, it's all right, yeah. but and uh, so good about and it. And so you're, you're a little bit ungenerous with your response. Um, and again, the older, actually my friend Garth Jennings was one of the first people to say, to point out to me that, you know, if you're, if you're making references that are in the shared cultural landscape, you're probably the likelihood is that a lot of people are going to be doing similar, superficially similar things. Yeah. And using similar references and similar targets. 
but the point is usually um, how you how you do it. You know how you express yourself yeah. through that exactly um, project. And so it's interesting if you if you invest in someone, if you're a fan of someone, then it doesn't matter that they're ma- they're making a movie about um, Martians or whatever it happens to be, and maybe that month there's several other movies about Martians. Yeah. You're up for what they have to Into their say about interpretation. It. How do they do it? Yeah. yeah. Um, we touched upon, and uh, I mean, you've you've listened to a few of the podcasts, and the Tom Robinson one that we were discussing before. It gets quite heavy. Hey, can I ask you not go to on. derail you? Okay. No, or maybe this is derailing you. I don't know. Yeah. But what what when you said on the at the beginning of the second one that there was stuff that you considered cutting yes. out that you had said that yeah. that maybe you felt like yeah. you'd been a little too you weren't prepared to open yourself up that much what was it though because it I, I didn't feel like it was uncomfortable it was a specific bit that i felt didn't get as much um and again it's an insecurity thing it didn't get as much as much affirmation as i was expecting from tom of agreeing when i was just saying about um how sometimes you can be down and 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 depressed and have um an unbelievable sense of loneliness but a complete lack of any desire to spend time with anyone, if you know what I mean. And it was this thing, and it, it was something that I'd been having a lot recently where it's a long story, but I've got some building work going on at the moment, so I'm not in my living room much. I mean, I'm doing all my work for my bedroom, so going a bit crazy in this little space. So it was and something that I just kind of spurted out and then was like, and Tom just kind of went, and didn't really agree, or he, he nodded but didn't kind of audible, or he didn't, didn't feel like as if there was an audible agreement. It was right. like... But also, um, and just, just kind of yeah. continuing on, and that well, it was maybe one of those moments where he's in his own head. He's yeah. on, he's on a different thread. Yeah, and it just yeah, didn't completely. But, but but that was the first time I've had that. Hmm. But um, as you know, we go into a lot of some some heavy stuff, and this isn't that heavy. But I feel there's something I wanted to discuss because of the similarities of um, I. The most successful things I've done, and the stuff I'm most known for, are with Dan Lasak. So being yeah. part of a, a duo, yeah. and we've both done a lot individually and both had a lot of success individually yet there will always be that that relation and that comparison i have a comparison or and again often are trying to be nice like i'll be doing a solo tour and they're like you're in london you could maybe have dan come up and do some stuff so i I mean i'd love that and i'd I'd, always excited to have dan at shows and be at dan shows but it's that thing of we're individuals as well but then also there's the fact of touring with someone and, and being so associated with someone there's points that you are are at loggerheads that that you do have conflicts that you do have issues um so yeah how's that kind of been for you of being part of a duo particularly when it's someone that you were you've grown up with that you've been friends with for a long time at least mm. and come together you've both gone off and done done your own st- stuff as well how, yeah. how how have you found all of that? Uh, well, I've sort of talked about this a little bit before, cautiously. That's because, it. I've heard you touch upon it yeah. carefully, but again, I think it's... Yeah. Um, it's difficult, and I would even use the word painful. Yeah. I'm always wary when people talk describe things as being painful. You know, people are going through all kinds of miserable stuff in the world that yeah. is genuinely painful, whether it's... Um, no, but again, I, I, I'm a big believer that there's not a competition for yeah, discomfort. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It's, it's, it's something it's that's, 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 that's bad in your world. It's still sure. valid. Yeah, that's but true. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's been um, off and on difficult and uh, a source of uh, quite a lot of anxiety. And you're right. People never stop occasionally popping up and saying, hey, you should, when are you going to get back together with Joe? And when are you going to do stuff with Joe and get Joe on this and get Joe on that? And it's like... 
mate, I don't need to be, it's not helpful to just be reduced to that one thing in your mind yeah. as if all the things I've been doing apart from him are worth absolutely nothing. And, and, and that's the thing that struck me because it came to mind when we were talking on, tw- on Twitter, I think, and it was actually a friend of mine tweeted instantly going, you've got to go on, on Pip's podcast and then in brackets and bring Joe. And it was yeah. like, in my mind, I know that all of these people that are saying this have seen and fallen in love with your bug stuff, which is amazing with loads of your, your, your YouTube stuff and so many things that are just you, but they still have that association yeah. of Adam and Joe. Again, it's that known of Adam and Joe. Yes. And so I've done the second through his fit. It's yeah. that thing that's just, it's known as one word almost sure. rather than, than two individual names. And if I'm honest, there was a point in my life where it genuinely wound me up. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, not, not badly, but certainly it would just like, you know, it would rankle. Yeah. And uh, you'd get a little annoyed by it or a bit bent out of shape. Or you would feel like, shit, Maybe I'm the maybe I'm I'm the worst one in that partnership. Maybe Joe is the talented one. Maybe because sometimes people do just come out and say things like, "Oh, you, you know, what's it like being the unfunny one in the partnership and things like that." Yeah. And the first few times you hear that, it slightly ruins your day. But then you realize again, it's that, the realization that it's, it's 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 real people you're talking to here with real indiv- insecurities yeah. and real, right. you know. But then as far as they're concerned, it's not real. It's just, oh, there's yeah. a guy from some show I watched once yeah, yeah, late yeah. night on Channel 4 and he probably won't read this anyway and fuck him. Yeah. Um, so I can understand people not thinking too hard about that sort of thing and I can also understand them genuinely being more excited about stuff that I might do with Joe than stuff I might do solo. Yeah. I feel the same way about a lot of partnerships. I'm... The, the idea of them getting back together again, I just think, yeah, 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 I'll be up for that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there, there's something that Joe and I do together that is um, uh, different to anything that I would do on my own. Yeah. And for some people more enjoyable and more rich and, well, it's bound to be because he's he's a different person and he's very funny and very talented. Um, so it's kind of bound to be a little more complex and interesting than something I might do on my own. I think there's there's a, a similarity here already of, of, of what we were saying there, that there's not a competition for things that are painful. Equally, there's not a competition for things that, for reasons that things are enjoyable. The yeah. stuff that you do at your own can be really enjoyable and yeah. someone else can enjoy the stuff you do with Joe. Some can enjoy the stuff that uh, Joe uh, does on his own and the stuff that you do and not the stuff that, you know, do you know what I mean? There's, yes. They can all be their individual things, but it's so, it's almost impossible, at least at first, to not constantly be comparing them yourself and going, yeah. oh, right, so you all prefer the songs with Dan and my solo record that I poured my heart into and, spent, yeah. you know, and all this. It's like, I mean, look, let's you get take, defensive take, in that way. Take someone that I'm a big fan of, in a not totally dissimilar position, uh, and that's Julian Barrett from The yeah. Boosh. Yeah. So I loved The Boosh immediately as soon yeah. as they came out. And, Same. And I would always be up for seeing whatever those two did together, Noel yeah. and Julian. And, you know, if um, if they get back together and do another TV series or a tour or I don't know what, I'll be there. But... I am very interested to see what they both do individually as well. And it's, and it's 100%. very different. And it's not, I don't get the same kind of uh, joy that I would from watching a, a, a really great episode of The Boosh, but it is something different and equally pleasurable in, in a different way, you know. 
Yeah. And um, there's things that they do individually that they couldn't do together because they're indulging different tastes and maybe they disagree about certain tonal areas. I don't know what. There's a kind of melancholy that Julian minds when he's acting yeah. and um, doing stuff on his own that, that, that you wouldn't necessarily see completely or would just be played for laughs in, in the bouche. And, uh, and there are kind of wacky excesses and strangenesses that perhaps Noel does when he's doing stuff on his own that wouldn't necessarily make it into a Bush episode. So, you, you know, you, you, you just dig it and you appreciate it. And yeah, if they get together, great. But don't fucking bark at them about it every time. Like, boring, boring. When are you going to get back together? Yeah. And I, I should point out that that is not what I get on a regular basis. Yeah, yeah. Once in a while, and, and people very seldom do it in, a, in an unpleasant way, but once in a while you, you'll get like, you know, a lot of people have said, uh, when are you going to get Joe on the podcast? And for a while, like a few years back when Joe was doing his film and that was everywhere and, and I certainly have admitted that I, I did feel kind of threatened by that and I just thought, shit, you know, he's doing a really great job with this. What am I doing? It's completely understandable as, as well when anyone, you you there will be... For me, like anyone I'm close to that starts to have these things blow up, there's 90% of the time an amazing pride and excitement and so happy. But there will be 10% of, so what did I do wrong to not be doing that? Yeah. Why isn't that me doing that? Right. And was I, yeah, you know, that, that's completely natural. That's yeah. going to be there, right? Maybe he was the one with all the talent and he was just, I was just hitching a ride. You yeah. Know? All, yeah, these, yeah. all these thoughts go through your head. And so that's not very that's not very enjoyable um, when it happens, and uh, also you feel kind of disgusted with yourself for being so introspective. Yeah, you know, you just think, "Fucking get on with your annoyed life. for caring." Yeah, oh, this shouldn't this shouldn't get to me. But unfortunately, that's what I'm like, and and I do indulge it for various reasons. And uh, I'm, I'm I'm constantly asked. Uh, Oh, 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 when Dan's going to be on the podcast as well, and we've right. discussed it, and we're going to at some point. But yeah. again, it's a timing thing. It's exactly. it's finding the right time when it's the most beneficial to everyone. But yeah. again, that's a regular thing. It's like when. Well, I think I think for a while I kind of thought, well, if I do do a podcast, this is a, a few years ago when I was thinking about um, you know going back on the radio solo or whatever because yeah. Joe's still busy with his film projects, unable to commit to a long run. Yep on the radio but every time we see each other we do we always talk about it and we always say oh man we should go back and do some more shows but it's always like yeah but when and yeah. when could we commit to a long run and yeah. i always feel like oh, it'd be a shame just to do a one off here and there and then i always think well i don't want to i don't want to necessarily get him on this podcast because then that would overshadow everything else and then it would be like oh hooray he's finally got joe on and they wouldn't give a shit about anything else but now i don't yeah, feel that true. way anymore at all yeah I just feel like, get over yourself. Yeah. Who cares? The great thing about podcast, the podcast bin, is that it it becomes a body of work, a self-sustaining body of yeah. work that people can dip into. It's never and, ending. And, and if people... The, there's this, there's yeah. so many that are just in the back catalogues and everything yeah. else. And they it's just go, ah, oh, that one looks interesting. I'll do, oh, he's done one with Joe. I'll, I'll start with yeah. that. And then if I like that, maybe I'll dip into the rest of them. Yeah. Or, yeah, that was okay and I'm not fussed about the rest or yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't care anymore and I appreciate the fact that people are still interested in the idea of me and Joe doing something together and I'm, that's, I'm definitely going to get him on at some stage. I mean, that's perfect because I found that's that's where you need to get to on the pod, podcasting mindset as such because I had a point where the first few it, or where it started to go really well and suddenly I'm thinking oh, I'm looking at my guests the... and thinking who 
is that person big enough? Yeah. Rather than, is that an interesting person? Is that an interesting conversation? It's like, well, I've had three people in a row who aren't really that famous, but they were interesting and they're possibly the best podcast we've done, but I need to get someone on now who will get a lot of people look and things like that. It's like, that's... Exactly. It's not a good good point to be for the actual, the body of work that you're, that you're cr- yeah. a, a creating that's there. How, that's how people, if they're into listening to podcasts at all, that's how yeah. you do it, isn't it? That's how I got into WTF with Mark Maron. And, and it's remembering that all of them are always new to a lot of people yeah. or always there. So say last week's one, I wasn't a particular big name, but last week also available was the episode with Simon Pegg and the episode with a Russell Brand, right. every other episode. So they're still there. Yeah, they, they, They're not they vanishing up, because you've got a new one there. Right, you know? they end up being sort of entry points. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I like this. So I'll take a chance with this conversation with someone I've never heard of before. Yeah, yeah. And um, more often than not, they end up being some of the most entertaining because you're discovering a new person and uh, you're finding out about this whole life and a whole body of work you knew nothing about. Yeah, it's, the most, it's yes. some of the most interesting things. Very so, enjoyable. So how, I mean, we're, we're over the hour mark, so we'll start to wrap things up, but yeah. I'm always terrible at that. I always have about four <laughs> false finishes. Yeah. Um, how's it been returning to the podcast world after, after a hiatus? After I found it, it really fascinating straight away that in the first episodes I'm finding out that, right, this isn't the format that I'm familiar with of necessarily, here's my guest, here's an interview we just did. There's, I'm learning st- st- straight away that you've st- stockpiled a lot of different conversations over a, a period of time, which again is beautiful because I don't know if you had been talking about it, but, but but it seemed to be that that was just happening and no one knew. And now suddenly, oh yeah, I've got I've got all this that we're putting together. So, so how's that been? And, and, did, and did you think here's how I'm meant to do a podcast, or was it instantly that realisation that you can do it any way you want? It's it's its own yeah, thing. Yeah, I think it was um, really missing doing the shows with Joe. I felt yeah. that they were... I felt when we were firing on all cylinders, it was like, this is, this is the relationship I always wanted to have with Joe, you know what I mean? Much yeah. as I like the TV stuff we did together and much as I'm proud of it, I'm, I'm more proud of uh, of the bits and pieces that that were good on the radio and on the podcasts you know um it's a similar thing there of it feeling like at at least at that at at the longest run on 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 six i guess or x as well mm. um that the the exciting thing there was it felt like a never-ending story if you know i mean a, 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 a tv series you know you've got these six episodes or 12 yeah. episodes or whatever else. Whereas that was instantly like, this is just every week. This is just in your life. This is just happening. If you want it. Yeah. yeah. So it just, it then became this, the, 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 in a way it removes the pressure of here's what we need to do in our 12 episodes. Exactly. And it's just right. No, this, we need to do this every week. So this needs to be. Yeah. 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 You know, just there. And existing. Got, because I mean, I suppose on some level, if you're making things and putting them out into the world, you're trying to communicate. Yeah. Yes. You're trying to reach out and hold hands with people you don't know yeah and say hey you know we're all we're all here together um and so uh, i think that uh radio and podcasting that's just a very effective way of doing that yeah, yeah, definitely. when it works so I, I i really thought like this is a good thing and also being old and getting older and just thinking every time you see yourself on screen it's like oh jesus i remember when i did the a tv version of bug 
for Sky Atlantic in 2012. It was the first HD show that I'd done. Yeah. And I've got a big, uh, like, pull down projection <laughs> screen at home, you know? Yeah. And I was like, hey, let's all watch the first episode of Bug going out. And there's my giant face in HD, my giant, hairy, 40, 44 year old face, or whatever it was at the time. And it's like, ah, good, scary guy. And so I'm just a bit vain and self-conscious in that, that way. That's the series of bug at the time I was going out with an Amer- American lady uh-huh. and that was, and she, and she'd come over to stay with me and I'd had, I'd recorded them all. I'd been away on tour and hadn't, hadn't watched them yet. And that was my initial, here's what British TV oh, wow. is. Oh, and again, absolutely. I loved it, but specifically, um, the, the ice cream on its side. Um, oh yeah. It's just, uh, it became people, I should explain the the kind of when people draw a heart in text, and yeah. it was it was one of the, of the YouTube comments, and just casually reading it as as ice cream on its side was just yeah, it was perfection. It was gold. Thanks, but yeah. man. That's a really nice compliment. Um, but yeah, you know, I I I guess it's nice. You you can relax a bit when it's just voice only. Yeah, and yeah. Um, and you can be a bit more yourself, and it's uh, it's it's nice. And you, you get to make this connection, hopefully. Yeah. So uh, and, I was and what's the plan? Is it Have you got a plan of how many you're going to do, or is it just an ongoing? Well, at, at the moment, it's like um, seeing what works, scrabbling, going through my address book and just um, seeing which one of my friends are up for it. So at the moment, yeah. a lot of the people that I've been talking to, I've, I've talked to in the past on other things. Yeah. Uh, people like Louis Theroux and Garth Jennings, and I hope um, Graham Linehan will do one, and, and I hope Joe will. Um, so it's a little bit of a, uh, a, a narrow group yeah. of, uh, yeah. interviewees or, or guests cause it's not really proper interviews on the thing. It's just rambly conversations. Yeah. Um, and also I've tried the occasional episode that is not like that. I did a thing where I was, um, charting the progress of a cold that I yep. had over yep. the course of a week because what happened last year was 2014 that is was I got into um, making voice notes while I was walking the dog, our yeah. dog Rosie. And um, I would go for these long walks with Rosie and I would just chat into my phone as a, a kind of almost like therapy really, you know, just to chat over how things have been going and what I need to do for this and also to maybe work up bits that might be useful yeah. for live things yeah. and Stuff like that, just to chat to myself and see if anything funny popped out. Like Bill Burr does a similar thing. That's it. That's all yeah. his podcast is. Yeah. It's him monologuing about any old shit. Bill Burr's a little bit more talented. Amaz- it, again, he's one of the few that does a podcast that's just him. Yeah. Which yeah. seems mind-blowing to most, most people, even podcasters, just the thought of just doing, right, I'm just going to do, here's my weekly. Yeah, you'd think. Here's like, me. Wow. No way. That's going to be unlistenable, but he's brilliant. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't do that, but um, it was it was a useful period to go through um, making all these voice notes and thinking, you know, I could do stuff if I edited some of these down and I put some music underneath some of them or produced them in some other way. It might be that, for example, I could do my cold diary. And I'm sure that that is the I've only done six shows so far. Um yeah. And I'm. I can. It seems fairly clear that that was the least popular of them. Really? Um, yeah, because people Thoroughly naturally are going to go for, as we said before, they're naturally going to gravitate towards names that they recognise, whatever. But that's what's fascinating as well, though, is that I, I I found that that starts to change 
as the body of work builds up because when you've got more guests the fact is most of your there's going to be a lot of guests that your listeners are into and there's going to be a lot that they're not but the one thing all your listeners are into is you uh-huh. and i found that when i did the um i've done a few different ask ask pit ones where i get just people to ask questions on facebook and i'll go through and i did them because i didn't have a guest that week and right. i was just filling a gap and they're some of the most most popular ones because you realize that yeah it, obviously if you've got a big name on then that makes a difference but as it goes on they're all they're all a connection for you because they're all people that you're a fan of or yes. know yet n- not everyone is going to sh- uh, share that yet they yeah. do all share a fandom of, of right Dr. after Buckles. after the after a while yeah they just sort of think well here we go i'm invested in pit yeah i like his stuff i don't care who he's talking to I'm and that's what's good board. as well is and again i look forward to seeing how that develops on the potential of doing things on your own as well as guests because the the fighter and the kid podcast i mentioned recently they their most popular ones now are when they don't have a guest admittedly it's handy because there's two of them but 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 I've got used to that now where I'll just put it on because it's just hearing two people that I kind of, I like their views, mm. just talking about stuff. Yeah. And it's the same people every week and it's the same, it's just going over some stuff that's in the news or even just stuff, a lot of it, this sounds like an insult, a lot of it is really about stuff that's specifically happening in their lives. Yes. But you just get to know them and it's kind of, it becomes engaging and interesting. Yeah, exactly. It's like a friendship and yeah. um, and it's nice to spend time with these people and there is an anxiety that I have about being too self-indulgent and that some of the some of the sort of incestuousness of all us podcasters getting together and being on each other's shows yeah, and yeah. talking about podcasts all the yeah, yeah, podcasting yeah. time yeah. might sometimes be a little wearisome and I, I sometimes I get wound up by that kind of thing when I'm listening. But you'll be all right. You'll get over it. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. But and also I think if you're... That's the thing that- There'll be another one there'll next week. There'll be another week. one along next there'll time. Be another one next week. If you, you weren't know, into this week's one, there'll be another one next week. If it's like that level of irritating self-indulgence every single time, then all right, you stop listening. Yeah. You find something else that's not going to wind you up so much. But I think the the occasional bit of um, crawling up your own ass and um, recording, you know, like I, I've always wanted to do a show which is mainly just going to the supermarket and talking about my uh, like I'm uh, my life is governed by all kinds of routines you yeah know, like a lot of people and so I like the idea of um unpacking and analyzing some of those routines again a, a lot of the great kind of a radio comedy and stuff back in the day was was just monologues was was things like that was yeah. telling of a story so again that 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 rings there yes, I say because we're so used to the podcast realm being this specific thing yeah so there's, there's Obviously, when I openness. say routines, I don't mean comedy routines. I yeah. mean like no, you're actually you're, yeah, your you're daily routines. Daily routine. You're just yeah. going through. Yeah, and I've always I've always been into to, to uh, thinking about that kind of stuff. And I think this it's just a perfect medium for uh, giving it a go. No one's That's gonna exactly it's no one's gonna die if it doesn't go it's well. It's a perfect medium for it because it's free. You might be a little bit there's irritated more. if it's like oh, this week's one's not as good as last week's one, but. You'll be okay. Uh, you didn't pay, so stop your moaning. <laughs> S- yeah. Send a tweet. Well, we're at the 90-minute mark now, so we should probably r- r- wrap up, because in total that's like three hours or something. We've yeah. been here all day. I know, it's dark now. When it's we dark started, now. When we started speaking, look at the view you've got from your cool it's amazing, hotel. Right? Imagine all the hipsters out there. Yeah, we all can- thinking... 
stroking their beards, Stro- even stroking the their beards, cutting their hair, have, having at least three different haircuts at once, paying four pounds for a bowl of exotic cereal. <sighs> well, Captain Crunch. I'm going to go and order some cereal. Let's and uh, <laughs> but thank you very much for coming on. Oh, and thank man, you for. Really I'm glad nice we've got through you. this uh, this m- m- marathon of. I've got a podcasting. Down. Yeah. Yeah. What are you going to do tonight? Well, I was going to ask if you if you wanted to come and lie down, but we'll you, you know we'll see where that goes. Um, All right. I'm going to watch. I'm going to watch a uh, a DVD of a show called Over the Garden Wall. Have you heard of that? I'm not familiar with it. It was recommended to me by a friend, and it's some of the people that worked on Adventure Time. Yep. Which I'm sure you've yeah, yeah, yeah. heard of, right? It's very strange and compelling and beautiful. And what is it? It's like Can a you... weird. It's like it's got the same kind of sensibility as Adventure Time, but it's a lot. It's a lot odder, and I tell you what it's like. It's like a kind of weird fusion of an American gothic fairy tale meets um, some of the strangeness of one of those Studio Ghibli films, like Spirited Away. It's really, it's got under my skin. I'm going to complete it tonight. That sounds good. Yeah, man. Well, I'm going to round things up by, as as I ended your podcast by doing a teaser to my podcast, I should mention that on the Adam Buxton podcast, we do talk about hipsters and rudeness and all sorts of uh, of wonderful things so uh, yeah all sorts hopefully of someone can get through all of these hours of our conversation political chat <laughs> exactly thank you very much sir take care There you go. That was Adam Buxton on the Distraction Pieces podcast, episode sixty-six. Um, he's great, isn't he? I really enjoyed that. It was was great. To, I thought he was a wonderfully open. I wanted to not get serious, but discuss some more serious stuff because I've always loved. I love his podcast, and they always go for uh, v- very much the entertainment and light and comedy route. So I wanted to try and push a bit more serious but we've not met before really as 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 we'd be divulged in adam's one i think it was um so i was a bit nervous about mentioning things like that both of us have come from a a duo essentially and been known for our work in a duo um yeah so you know it's um it was nice that he was open to that and was was warm and lovely and friendly and supported me and I very much enjoyed it. Um, if you haven't checked out Adam's podcast, he's had some great guests. He had um, a, a Louis Farouk, um, Leanne Le Havis, um, John Ronson and Garth Jennings and me. Um, so yeah, it's great. I recommend you check it out if you haven't already. But next week, I'm going to have the old... Um, I have the, the first ever Distraction Pieces podcast live. And you know what? It went so well, it had to become a two-parter. And it almost fucking killed me. <laughs> it was exhausting, man. Um, the plan was to interview Keith Clark first, um, a fan of mine who's come to over 70 shows, or two 70 shows, and then do an audience Q&A. And I expected the audience Q&A to like be a few questions, but all of you all of you wanted to ask questions and I'm too, I I, I was worried that you'd think I'd rude, I was rude if I said, no, that's enough now. So we just kept going and going and going. 
and it was just exhausting. I mean, it might turn into a three-parter. I don't think it will, but I think we'll we'll squeeze it all into two parts. But yeah, so that's going to be n- next Wednesday. We'll put them both out on Wednesday, I think. Um, so tune in for that. And if you're new to the podcast, welcome. Welcome, guys. Ch- check out the previous episodes with people like Josie Long, um, Billy Bragg. Did you like Billy Bragg? He's good. Um, and loads of good people. But also subscribe and rate and review that's always nice if you're kind enough to to rate and review i think both mine and adam's podcast currently have five stars on itunes so that's nice so yeah do that thank you for tuning in and i'll 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 see you all next week guys ta ta